You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 50. Today's Tidbit Tuesday is a remix of an earlier episode that was inspired by two listener questions that both relate to a heavily debated topic in photography around photo manipulation, whether that is done in the field or in the digital darkroom. So you may be wondering why the remix and not a new episode? Well, for two reasons, one being more personal than the other. As many of you who follow me on Instagram already know, we had to say goodbye to our family dog Atticus on Friday after a couple of difficult weeks of trying to figure out why he had suddenly gotten ill. The medical interventions that we tried didn't improve matters for him, and although we were still waiting for a clear diagnosis and prognosis, it became clear that it was time to let him go. So I haven't had the bandwidth to create new content for the show this week. And I'm sincerely grateful to everyone who's reached out and offered their love and support and understanding during this time. It's been really touching. So thank you. Secondly, this Tidbit Tuesday first aired as episode four, and if you tried to listen to it back then, my guess is you might not have been able to get through the whole episode because my podcasting editing skills just left a lot to be desired at that point. And I also talked really quickly, probably because I was nervous, and I apologize for that. So thankfully, I have the ability to learn new tricks with some practice. So hopefully today's version will be better. Anyway, I do think it's an important topic for consideration and discussion, and that's why I wanted to re-record it for you. So is there a difference between photo editing and photo manipulation? And if so, where's the line? Is it ethical? Does it even matter to make a distinction? We're going to dive into this debate today, so buckle up and stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hello, my friends, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Today's topic on the question of photo manipulation was prompted by two of our listeners, Paul and Hank. So let's go ahead and listen to each of their questions first. Hi, Brenda. It's Paul from Latham. My best friend is a better photographer than me, and um, it's come up recently one thing he likes to get all the, quote, distracting elements out of the frame. And often he does that in post-processing, but sometimes in the field he he will remove things from the scene, dead flowers and stuff like that. And um, to me, that seems just wrong. Um, nature is messy, and I think that it's wrong to alter the landscape just in the search for a good um, picture. Anyway, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks a lot. So with all the updates and photo editing software, you could change the sky in a couple of clicks. But my question is, just because you can, should you? And if you do, 
should you call it your image? That, that's a question I am concerned about. Thank you, Paul and Hank, for these really thought-provoking questions. These are questions that many photographers today grapple with, and so I hope my attempts in answering them will provide good food for thought and, and also spark some interesting discussions. I'd like to note that my personal views, thoughts, and perspectives that I'll share with you later on today will likely continue to evolve over time as I develop my own skills as a photographer and as an artist. So I'm not saying they're set in stone, but it is what I'm feeling these days. As I was doing research for this and examining my own opinions, I was surprised to discover that this debate over the ethics of manipulating or altering a scene or an image in some way is not limited to the advent of digital technology. It's actually been going on since the invention of daguerreotype photography back in the 1830s, when the ability to project an image like with a pinhole camera and the ability to record that projected image onto a medium and make a photograph was invented by Joseph Nisipor Niepce and Louis Daguerre. And the first negative was invented by Henry Fox Talbot. Because photography required a lot of technical skill and knowledge of chemistry and optics, many people considered photography more of a science than an art. And prior to photography, painting was the main method to visually record people and landscapes or events. And there was room for an even an acceptance of the painter's interpretation in these creations. However, because photography could more accurately recreate a scene or portrait than a painting could, it quickly became a means by which to factually record the physical world, and it began to replace painting as a medium serving that purpose. And given its more objective approach, it was not really considered as a means of artistic expression by the viewing public. And yet, as early as the 1840s, as the tools and processes of photography improved, we start to see a divergence between those who wanted to use photography to produce unaltered, realistic representations of people, places, or things, and others who wanted to use the medium to create more painterly images that were posed and orchestrated. By the mid-1800s, elaborate photo montages were being created, most notably from Oscar Rylander, whose work consisted of exposing several negatives to create a single image. In fact, one of his most famous images, which is called Two Ways of Life, used 32 different negatives to create the story he wanted to tell within a single image. So we see that the concept of photo manipulation and using processes similar to compositing today is nothing new to the field of photography. This movement of using photography as a form of artistic expression similar to painting became known as pictorialism, a movement that was led by Henry Peach Robinson, who wrote that, quote, any dodge, trick, and conjuration of any kind is open to the photographer's use, unquote. In this way, manipulating the image to incorporate the artist's vision, message, or expression beyond the technical recording of the subject was prioritized by the pictorialist photographer. So when we look at these early days of photography, we clearly see these two camps of how to approach this new technology. Some wanted to use photography as a means to accurately record a subject, and others wanted to use it as a way of artistic self-expression. And this is all well and good to each his own or to each her own, right? 
But were there any unintended consequences of this divergence, say, on how the viewing public perceived or interpreted images? Well, around this time, a type of photography known as spirit photography became popularized, which consisted of making images of ghost-like figures, which was usually achieved by doing a double exposure or by having somebody wearing sort of a flowy white garment come into and out of the frame for only a handful of seconds of, say, a 30-second exposure. Because the general public largely didn't understand the photographic process and how such images could be made, many people began to believe these images were actual reflections of reality and that these ghosts were real. And then when the truth was revealed, many of these photographers were then often labeled as frauds. And it was around this time that the ethics of photo manipulation and whether or not manipulated images should be identified as such started to be considered. Pictorialism became popularized in the early 1900s in the U.S. by Alfred Stieglitz and Edward Steichend and many others. And this movement became credited as putting photography on the map as an art form in the eyes of preeminent American galleries and not considered merely a process of recording. Manipulations of the time consisted of a variety of techniques that altered either or both the negative and final print, including manipulating exposures through dodging and burning using multiple exposures of a single negative, even scratching or tearing the negative, combination printing of multiple negatives, and using various materials and substances to improve tonality, introduce color or texture, and give a more painterly or impressionistic effect. By the 1930s, photographers who opposed pictorialism and wanted to maintain a more realistic approach to photography as an accurate representation of a subject pushed for a new movement in photography, which became known as modernism or straight photography. And this was spearheaded by a group of 11 photographers known as Group F64, which included famous landscape photographers like Ansel Adams and Edward Weston. In fact, Group F64's manifesto stated that, quote, the group will show no work at any time that does not conform to its standards of pure photography. Pure photography is defined as possessing no qualities of technique, composition, or idea derivative of any other art form. The production of the pictorialist, on the other hand, indicates a devotion to principles of art which are directly related to painting and the graphic arts, unquote. So Group F64 wanted to separate themselves from the pictorialist photographers by prioritizing the creation of images that were decidedly not painterly in nature, with a focus on sharp images with deep depth of field. But as we know from Ansel Adams' work, the modernist photographers weren't absolute purists in the sense that they did accept some level of image editing, whether that was through the use of colored filters to bring out different tonalities of panchromatic black and white film, or to use intricate darkroom techniques of dodging and burning to emphasize contrast and details of an image. Even though Ansel was a proponent of the concept of pre-visualization and getting the composition and exposure, quote unquote, right in camera at the time of capture, he said that, quote, the negative is comparable to the composer's score and the print to its performance, unquote, which suggests that he considered darkroom processing a major contributor to the final impact of the image and something that he took into consideration as part of his pre-visualization technique. So this begs the question, 
was the approach of F64 considered photo manipulation on some level or simply photo editing? And is there a difference or a line that can be drawn between the two? And is one more acceptable than the other? And if so, why? Well, as time went on, it turns out this line was even blurry for National Geographic. On the cover of their February 1982 issue was an image of the pyramids with three camel riders in the front. The photograph was actually shot in landscape format, so it was cropped and then altered in such a way so that two of the pyramid's peaks could fit together into the aspect ratio of the cover. Now, it didn't change the core essence of the image or even its interpretation. It was done just to fit the aspect ratio of the cover. But once discovered that this was done, the public was outraged to the point that National Geographic declared that it would never alter or accept altered images again. And I'll note, Photoshop was not yet invented at this time. In fact, Photoshop came into the picture in the late 1980s. In the early 1990s, another debacle came to light when it was discovered that Art Wolf, who was a renowned photographer and conservationist, published a book called Migrations, and around a third of the images were digitally manipulated. And these were not just simple edits to clean up an image, but cloning of animals to make herds appear bigger in number and more uniform in pattern, for example. At the time, adventure photographer Galen Rowell heavily criticized Art for this, and yet Galen later admitted to altering the image he used on the cover of his book called Mountain Light, so that the clouds and the mountains fit into the aspect ratio of the book, much like how Nat Geo did with the pyramids. Because Galen's changes didn't alter the core essence of the image on the cover of his book, he found this to be an acceptable edit, whereas National Geographic changed their practices altogether. And Art didn't feel that he was deceiving the viewing public in his book, Migrations, because he claimed the book to be an art book without the intention of it being a documentary. He did agree that the manipulated images should have been identified as such, and he now identifies all of his manipulated images. So, as we can see throughout the history of photography, there has never been a consensus among photographers about what is considered the primary purpose of photography. Is it a self-expressive art form or is it a recording method? And there has never been an agreement about where the line is between photo editing and photo manipulation. So back to Paul and Hank's questions of, is it okay to remove objects from a scene to get rid of some of the inherent messiness of nature? And reciprocally, I would add, is it okay to add something to the scene that wouldn't naturally be there? And in terms of editing and manipulating, just because we can, does that mean we should? And I don't think that there is a single answer to these questions, but I do think that determining this for yourself and your photography comes down to three things, intent, expectation, and consequences. So what is the intent of your photograph? Why are you making the image and what purpose does it serve? Is it to express something, to share your experience of nature, to capture a fleeting moment, to learn a new technique, or to push the limits of your creativity? Is it a piece of artwork you hope to sell or an educational piece used to protect an endangered species? Or are you working for a commercial client who has their own requirements for the image? 
So I think the approach you take on the scale of photo editing and photo manipulation matters less so long as it fulfills the purpose of the image. The second important aspect to consider along with your intent is the expectation of the viewer. Are they expecting it to be a real and an accurate representation of the subject? Will they feel deceived if they knew how the image was created? Would knowing how the image was created change the meaning behind it for the viewer? And would that change the value of the photograph? And the third aspect to consider is what are the consequences, especially unintended consequences, of your decision on the approach you've taken? So could it hurt anyone if it's misleading them? Does it or could it compromise or damage a species or ecosystem? And this is something to keep in mind if you are considering removing objects from a scene to clean it up a bit or adding things that aren't native to the ecosystem and then leaving them there. And thirdly, does it affect the viewing public's perception of photography or their expectation of nature? And we've already seen this a bit with Photoshop now being a verb, you know, hey, is that Photoshopped? And with Instagram and photo contests becoming really bloated with more and more epic landscape images that don't actually exist in nature. So I'll share where I fall on the scale of these questions around photo manipulation. My primary approach to photography is to attempt to convey my experience of nature as accurately as possible, even if it is in creating an abstract photograph. So you may say that I'm more of a straight photographer than a pictorialist. I don't use compositing in my work, although I believe understanding how these techniques work is useful. And I do think playing around with new and different techniques is a good creative exercise. I do occasionally use focus stacking to increase the depth of field, but the image files are always taken of the same scene at the same moment in time with the same settings, and I'm just changing my focal point. Although I take a somewhat purist approach to my photography, I would argue that what I create is not just a recording of a subject. My editing process actually starts at the time of capture because of the compositional choices I make about what to include and exclude decisions on how best to tell the story through different exposure techniques or the use of filters to slow the shutter speed, choices around focal length, depth of field, point of view, and so forth. So these decisions alone begin to create my interpretation of the scene rather than it being just a simple recording of it. And then in the digital darkroom, I further refine the composition and how I want the viewer to experience the subject through basic photographic edits like color balance, adjusting white and black points and balancing highlights and shadows, maybe some cropping and things like that. I will often use luminosity masking if the scene calls for it, as well as dodging and burning. And I'll also clone out small distractions in the scene if they don't add to the story, provide any context, and could lead the viewer away from the main subject. In the field, I don't typically remove objects from a scene to clean it up, aside from maybe a small dead branch or something like that, or I may hold twigs back if they're in my way while I'm taking a photo, but I will not pull anything out of the ground or cut anything back or do anything along those lines that would be more than just a momentary change to the scene. And finally, I think photographers and digital artists alike should declare how their images are made, be it a single image, a composite, a photo montage, or digital art. 
kind of in the same way that you would at an exhibit where you typically identify the material and the inks used to print the final image. I believe that this would reduce confusion in the general viewing public's understanding of how our art is made and therefore aspects of its value. It would also help to stave off comments like that was photoshopped when it wasn't or having people falsely believe something they saw in a photograph actually exists. And some people may say that we shouldn't have to declare anything about how the art was made. But to me, that suggests that being ambiguous about the art form is part of the interpretation of it. And for me personally, I want my photographs to stand on their own without that thread of ambiguity. It's sort of like truth in advertising. In fact, this issue is so important that NAMPA, the North American Nature Photography Association, has issued a statement on truth in captioning. They state that, quote, consistent, accurate image captioning facilitates three very important goals. One, educate the public and photo viewers about the context and intent of the image. Two, maintain public trust in the credibility of the image. And three, it helps to educate other photographers, unquote. In this document, NAMPA provides guidance as to what sort of information would be helpful to include in captions, including how an image was edited. So the categories they suggest are as shot, cleanup, manipulated, composite, multiple exposure, and effects. And I'll put a link in the show notes to this document for your reference, as well as uh, links to other resources that I used to summarize the brief history of this topic. So NAPA is not saying you should or should not use every editing tool available to you. They're just saying that we should identify how our images are created. So after doing research on this and considering my own opinions, I've concluded that perhaps a resolution to the debate is not what we should be seeking, but rather a healthy philosophical discussion that helps us to define our own approaches to photography and how we want to express ourselves through it. So how about you? Where do you draw the line between editing and manipulation? Or is there even a line to be drawn? Do you think we should identify how our images have been created? Is it okay to disrupt or alter the scene if it cleans up your composition? Do you approach your photography as more of a pictorialist or as more of a straight photographer? I think these are good questions to consider and to revisit over time as we grow as photographers and as artists. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this more philosophical tidbit Tuesday and for your submitted questions. As always, I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. You can find all the links and other information mentioned today in the show notes on the podcast website at outdoorphotographypodcast.com. And while you're there, you can submit a question for me to answer on a future Tidbit Tuesday. If you're loving the podcast and would like to say thank you, you can do so by leaving a rating and review or by buying me a coffee through the links on the Outdoor Photography Podcast website. And I appreciate it so much. And I'll be back here next week with nomadic nature photographer and workshop leader, David Kingham. And so until then, my friends, give some extra snuggles to your furry loved ones and get outside and find yourself a little nature. Take care. <laughs>